Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. time of worship already this morning. That's why we, we had church anyway in spite of the weather. Man, God still deserves to be praised, and I knew people would come together and do that. If you haven't said hi to him and, and her this morning, it's great to see Ralph and Janet Neal with us. Appreciate you all coming to worship with us here in Barberville this morning. So as we jump into the Word, we've been going, started a journey at the beginning of the year, going through the Word together. I hope that you're still doing that sticking to your reading plan, and for those of you that are in a D group, at least you've got some accountability there to stay true to that. If you're still on track, then one day this week you'll be coming across Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 18 this morning. It's a fairly familiar story to a lot of us. We've learned it in Sunday school. We've probably heard it preached many times, but to me, this is one of the most Christ-centered passages in the Old Testament. Last week, we talked about, in Genesis 15, the covenant that God made with Abraham and how God took the responsibility of that covenant on himself, all the terms of that covenant. We discussed how the covenant really foreshadowed and pointed to this new covenant God would make with man years and years later, made in Christ's blood. And we talked about how much Abraham's entire life and these different stories and different events all point to, directly to, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've mentioned very briefly last week that if you learn to, um, if you learn to read the Bible uh, and, and wherever you are in looking for Jesus that it will totally change the way that you read Scripture and it will grow you, I I promise, it will grow you in your relationship with Him. So if you're looking for Jesus and know what to look for, you've heard me preach this and say this time and time again, you can find Jesus on every page of the Bible, from Genesis all the way to the maps, cover to cover, you can find Christ. This morning, instead of giving you just some points and application, this message itself is the application this morning because I want to take this passage in Genesis and show you how to find Jesus. And you can then apply that as you go through your reading this year. Let's look at Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 18 together. The Bible says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him to him and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, and then we'll come back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, 
my father. He replied to him, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do any lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity Lord, to come here to worship you, God, to sing about Jesus, to sing about his sacrifice, his love for us, your love for us. And God, I pray that through this passage this morning, we would see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Since the covenant we talked about last week in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham's experienced quite a bit in life. So let's just go back and get some context We said Abraham believed or Abram believed God in Genesis 15. It was credited to him as righteousness. But then, like us, Abram, Abraham has moments of doubt. He even has moments of failure. And some of those were even inspired and encouraged by his wife. Now, that's going to be another sermon for another day. We won't go there this morning. But rather than waiting on God... uh, We know this story, right? Abraham and Sarah take matters into their own hands. uh, End up, uh, she allows or or maybe even promotes, uh, encourages Abraham to have a son with her her servant Hagar. We know how all this plays out, but in spite of that complete failure, here's what I want to want to remind you: in spite of that, just complete moral disaster, God is very gracious to this couple. He's gracious to Abraham and Sarah. He tells Abraham he still blessed Sarah. She would give him a son. She would be the mother nation. The Bible says that kings would descend from this woman. Chapter 21 goes so, so far to say that God was gracious to Sarah and did just as he promised. Like we said last week, if God promises it, if God says it, it's going to happen. And in her old age, in Abraham's old age, God does, in fact, give them a son together. His name is Isaac. And then chapter 22 opens up and says, after these things, or some translations say some years later, God tested Abraham. Now, we studied in detail the book of James right recently. So we know what the Bible means when it says God 
tempted him or God tested him. We understand, as James taught us, that God is not tempting Abraham to sin against God or anything like that. But he's affirming Abraham's faith. He is essentially putting Abraham's faith through the refiner's fire. One, to, to prove its strength, but also to make it more pure and even stronger. I think that Abraham may not have realized it at the time. But as we read this story, it opens up and it's almost as if the author, right at the beginning of the story, says, hey guys, look, it's, this is a test. This is only a, a test. He's not going to have to actually kill his son. And, and what we learn, though, is Abraham at least had the faith to do so. Trusting as God told him, Abraham, remember last week, I'm going to give you descendants like the like the stars in the sky. And he believed that God would do that. And if God tells him to do this thing, to, to, to end his son's life, he had the faith to believe that God would somehow raise the boy from the dead. Now, we don't get that from this story, but Hebrews chapter 11 tells us. Abraham believed that if God allowed him and commanded him to end Isaac's life, Abraham believed in his heart that God was so true to his word that he would raise Isaac from the dead. That if the father killed the son, he would also bring him back to life. Do you see how some of these parallels are beginning to line up? This is what I want to show you this morning. Um, I've got eight points this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, they'll go fairly quick. But I want, and there's so many things that we could pull out of this that points to Jesus. But we're going to pick eight ways that we see the lamb in this text this morning. And I promise we'll still beat people to lunch. So we'll just hang on. The first place we see this this morning is in verse 2. And he says, take, go, and sacrifice. Take your son, whom you love, your only son, whom you love. Go and sacrifice him. It's the first time in the Old Testament that the word love is used like this in Scripture. Abraham loved his son. Now, Isaac wasn't his only biological son at this point. However, Isaac is the son of God's promise, right? Isaac is the one through whom God was going to raise up an entire nation and people for himself. He's the one that, that he and Sarah had waited for. And God gives him three very straightforward commands to, to take, to go, and to sacrifice. And this is what God the Father himself would later do with his son, Jesus. He would take his only begotten son, whom he loved. The Bible actually tells us that God the Father loved Christ the Son. When Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, what does the Bible say? The heavens opened and God himself said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. And he would go, Jesus would go to this dark dark place, our world, the darkness of our lives and the darkness of our hearts into our sinful, broken reality. And he would sacrifice his son for us. Also from verse two, notice where God said to go. This is really cool. Guys, if you if you don't study the, the geography of the Bible, you're missing an entire dimension. He said, go to the land of Moriah. So what is this? He says it's a, it's a specific mountain that I want you to sacrifice your son. The land of Moriah. So this land or the region of Moriah has traditionally been considered the, the area around Jerusalem or modern Jerusalem itself. And if you remember from last week, we talked about how Abraham got a visitor from Salem or maybe even Jerusalem, right? He comes down Melchizedek and he brings to Abraham two things. Bread 
and wine from this same region. And now God tells Abraham to take his son up to Moriah, to the area around Jerusalem, to a very specific place, a specific mountain. And we learn later in Scripture that this is the exact same place, years and years and years later, where King David himself would build an altar to the Lord to sacrifice to God on what was then the threshing floor of uh, Aaron of the Jebusite. After that, his son, King Solomon, would build God's temple on the very same Site. And even today, there's a place where you can walk out on the Temple Mount and there's an outcropping of rock and, and there's this beautiful white stones coming up out of the, the hill. And you can actually stand on the very place where they think Abraham laid Isaac, David made the sacrifice, and then even Solomon's temple stood right here. All these years, animals would be sacrificed for the sins of the people on this mountain in this place, in Jerusalem. But then God sacrificed His Son in the same city, on the same mountain range, not too far from this very spot where Abraham laid Isaac. And then there would be no need for any other sacrifice. Verse 4 gives us just another glimpse. It says, On the third day. It's another reason that scholars think this was this particular place because it was a three-day journey from Beersheba to Jerusalem. For Abraham to go to uh, Mount Moriah. And so from the time that God prom uh, pronounced Isaac's death to the time that God spared him from death was three days. And the author of Hebrews tells us that Abraham, after those three days, received his son back. In a sense, Isaac was a dead man. He was a dead man walking. And then he was raised back to life and given back to his Father. Likewise, when God the Father sacrificed God the Son, we know Jesus was dead for three days. He was separated and cut off from the living. But then God did for Jesus what he did for Isaac, and he raised him from the dead. Now, we sang a little bit about the resurrection this morning. Listen, without the resurrection, we have no gospel. Without the resurrection, we have no reason to even be here this morning. The resurrection of Christ has been called the crowning miracle of the New Testament. Everything hinges on Jesus coming out of the tomb alive on the third day. It's been called the Father's Amen to the Son's It is Finished. And here in the early chapters of the Bible, in the very first book, God was already pointing to the fact that His Son would, though He would die, He would overcome death and the grave in only three short days. And then verse 6 tells us, about the way that he would die. It says that he laid it on his son. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he, he, he put it on Isaac, his son. He laid it on him to carry, to pack. And you got to put yourself in Isaac's place in this story sometimes and just think, man, poor Isaac. He seems, in the story, he seems just oblivious to what's going on. We've got to think what's going through his mind. And he just kind of, Rolls with it. Whatever Abraham tells him. And he, he takes the wood and he, he's carrying the very thing that he's going to be bound to and potentially killed on and, and even burnt on. But notice the language. It says the father took the wood and placed it on the son. But I love this picture. It says from there the two of them walked together. Towards the place of the sacrifice. To this point in the story, no words have been shared between the two. They're just 
There's no need for that yet. Abraham, the father, I, I would imagine, has concerns. He has fears, probably doubts, even though he has this, this faith. But Isaac, the son, is just obedient through all of this. What a picture. What a picture of Jesus taking, as we sang about, that old rugged cross, that rugged piece of wood laid upon him, this thing that was used for sacrifice and walking out of the city of Jerusalem. The father, I think, going with him as far as he could go out to the place of the sacrifice where he was killed. But notice what the father had to do. Verse 6 gives us this detail. It says that he took the fire and the knife. Now, throughout the Old Testament, fire represents two things. It can be God's presence, as we'll see later on, or it can be God's judgment. Here it represents the judgment of God, while the knife represents the instrument of the sacrifice. And both of these were in the hand of Abraham the father, the judgment and the instrument for the sacrifice, and both were to be used on Isaac the son. And something that we forget is it wasn't Pontius Pilate who killed Jesus. It wasn't the angry mobs crying, crucify him, that put him on the cross. It wasn't the Roman government that ended Jesus' life. It wasn't the chief priests. It wasn't the Pharisees. Isaiah tells us, as we sang about, that it pleased God to crush him. Now that's hard to wrap our mind around, isn't it? It pleased the Father to crush the Son. You see, God so desired that sin be erased and that sinners be saved that He took the wrath due to us in one hand and with the other hand He crushed His only begotten Son and sacrificed Him on Calvary's cross for us. Finally, verse 7, Isaac speaks up. He says, My Father. And Abraham responds, Here I am, son. But you think when Jesus was bearing our sin on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God. And what did he hear? No response. Why have you forsaken me? Isaac says, Dad, I see the wood. I see the fire. But where is this lamb that we're supposed to sacrifice? Notice verse 8. Abraham says, son, God will provide the lamb. I think this could be taken a couple different ways. I think we could think that Abraham didn't really want to tell Isaac what was about to happen. I don't think that's the case. We could look at it and say, well, if in fact Isaac was to be the sacrifice, certainly God did provide him because he was miraculously born to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. But we also see that God provided a sacrificial ram caught in a thicket. So I think we've got to believe that Abraham wasn't looking for a a lamb or a ram in a thicket. I think Abraham truly believed that God had provided the lamb for this sacrifice. He believed that his only son was to be that lamb. And he believed that if this were so, again... If God was going to have him kill his son Isaac, then certainly God would raise the lamb from the dead. Again, Isaac was miraculously born. You realize Abraham was not, Sarah was, ladies, imagine this. She was 90 years old when he was born. He was promised and then he was provided by God himself. Likewise, we've talked about this at Christmas, all the many promises 
that Christ would come, that He would be born, that God was going to send Him. As early as Genesis chapter 3, God promised the seed of the woman would come to crush the head of the serpent. Mankind needed what only God could provide, and so God miraculously provided His own Son, miraculously born of a virgin, to be the perfect Lamb and sacrifice for us. Now notice the Son's obedience. This is, this is pretty awesome. You can't make this stuff up. Verse 9 says, with everything in place, the wood prepared with them being in the, the right spot at the right time, it says that he bound his son, that he, he placed his son on the altar. Now, if you're like me, you remember the Sunday school lessons and we, we've had the, the big posters and stuff with all the Bible characters and we picture Isaac being this young kid, this scrawny little sickly kid that Abraham's tying to the altar, right? And there's no way that he could fight back in his weakness. But many believe that in the full context here, Isaac was a grown man, probably about my age. In the very next chapter, we see that Sarah dies at the age of 127. And some go so far to say that Isaac wasn't just a full grown strong man. But he might have very well been somewhere between 30 and 37. He may have well even been the exact same age of Jesus when Jesus died on the cross. Potentially on the same mountain. But more than that, notice the obedience that each son had. If he was a grown man, I'm Pretty certain Isaac could have fought and resisted his old elderly father at this point. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't argue with him. He's just obedient to the, fa- obedient to the father. And he remains on the altar, bound to this altar and obedient to the point of death. Jesus, guys, he was not just a grown man, but he was God himself. And he had the armies of heaven at his disposal. But he was obedient. To the Father, even in his his flesh, when he prayed, "Father, I don't want to do this. Take this from me. If there's any other way." But the Bible says that he prayed, "Not my will, but yours be done." The Bible goes on to say that Christ was not only obedient to the Father, but he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And like Isaac was bound by his father to the altar on Mount Moriah. Jesus was bound to the cross, not just by the nails that the Romans drove through his feet and his hands, but he was bound by the father who laid on him every sin that you and I have ever committed. And he didn't fight it. He didn't call on the legions of angels to come and rescue him from the cross and rescue him from death and rescue him from our sin. No, he died for us. Lastly, verse 14 and all the the remaining verses tell us. The story is not just about Isaac. But it's a a theme that will carry over well into the future. And Abraham named this place, the Lord will provide. And the author gives us just a little bit of, I think, prophecy. He says, today we say it will be provided. Looking forward, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. God reminds Abraham again that all the nations of the earth will be blessed by his offspring. They will be blessed because of your obedience. And many years after Abraham and Isaac and even Jacob are dead and gone, God did in fact provide everything that mankind so desperately needed. He sent his son into this world as the perfect sacrifice on this very mountain. And he provided the lamb. And it's through the lamb 
the Lord Jesus Christ, that God provides everything that we, we, we needed. He provides the forgiveness. He provides the peace and the hope and the, the grace. And he perfectly demonstrates his love for us through Christ. There's so many things just in these 18 verses that point to Jesus. This is just a few. And I hope this morning that you've learned maybe a little bit better as you go through your reading plan to look for the Lamb, to look for Christ wherever you are. If you're in Numbers, if you're in Leviticus, if you're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or even Revelation, He's there. But more than that, I hope that someone, if you're joining us online especially, maybe you've seen Christ this morning, and if you don't know Him, and you don't know the grace and the forgiveness that He offers, it's my prayer this morning that maybe you'd be saved. And you'd come to know Him not only as the Lamb, not only as this person we've been talking about, but you know Him personally as your Lord and Savior. Stand together as we close in prayer. Father, this morning, again, we're so grateful, God, to be able to come together and and to worship as a church family. God, we know that many couldn't be with us today. Many are joining us online. But God, you deserve to be praised this morning. The name of Jesus deserves to be lifted high today. So we thank you for allowing us to do that. Lord, even... More than that, we thank you for the salvation that we have through Jesus. Thank you for these little glimpses, God, all throughout history that you give us. God, you told us long before you did it what you were going to do for us. That you were going to send your son to die for us. It should have been our cross to bear. Lord, you laid all of that on your son and you didn't even hold him back. You didn't spare him for us. And Lord, we're so grateful. And God, if there's someone that does not know him today, God, it's our prayer that they too would be saved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we sing a song of invitation this morning. You want to come and pray for yourself or if you want to come and pray for someone that you know needs your prayers, it's altered. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.